Welcome to the Journey to Pay Speaking Gigs podcast. I'm your host, Charles Clark, mental health and resilience speaker. And today we are exploring the parallels of business and becoming a motivational speaker. I'm talking with Scott Greenberg, and he is an expert in franchising. Get this, y'all, franchising. So I really feel like this is going to be a dope experience because in the speaking industry, we are somewhat franchising ourselves where we are building our platform and there's a proven way to get consistently booked speaking engagements. And if you really like what you hear today, check out the Journey to Pay Speaking Gigs Academy on my website at thecharlesclark.com forward slash apply, where you're going to learn everything that you need to know about creating a successful speaking business. Anyway, let's invite Scott on to the show. So glad to be here. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for taking the time to to be a part of this podcast uh, and just sharing your experience with the world. Uh, I just believe it's just a way for us to connect as speakers and to become a part of each other's family. So uh, let the Thrive Tribe know a little bit about who you are. Who is Scott Greenberg? Uh, so I am a husband and father based in Los Angeles, and I help business leaders elevate their performance by focusing more on the way they think, lead, and serve. For 10 years, I was a multi-unit franchise owner with Edible Arrangements, and so franchising became a bit of a special to me as a speaker. I had been doing professional motivational speaking for 14 years prior to getting into that, and so that business was a laboratory for me to test all the concepts I was sharing on stage and to figure out which ones were just ridiculous cliches and which ones actually worked. So the business was there as another stream of income, but also as a place for me to learn more about leadership and to try out these concepts. And so... Um, I did that for 10 years. Now I'm back to exclusively full-time speaking. And probably 70% of my audiences are franchises. The other 30% are everything else. And what I love about the franchise world is you have all these people running the same businesses, but getting very different results. Yeah. And the thesis of my work is because of what they bring to it, specifically the way they think, lead, and serve, the human elements of business. So that's what I speak on. And uh, really, uh, it's been a good ride. Wow. Wow. Um, what an incredible story. See, I didn't even know that about you. So I had a question prepared already, but I'm going to flip the script a little bit. So so tell me tell me about your story of, of really how you got into the, the speaking industry and um, what value did you see in starting that franchise and then coming back to the speaking industry full time uh, to to now do what you do? Okay, I'll try to address all of that. Yeah. So when I was a teenager, high school student, I used to attend a lot of student leadership conferences and camps. And that's where I first saw motivational speakers. Mm -hmm. uh, and they just blew me away. And I thought, wow, that's really cool, but didn't never considered it for myself. But I knew a lot of people in that world. And then when I was 22, I was a graduate film student at New York University and was diagnosed with cancer. So I had to drop out and spend a year in chemotherapy, radiation surgery. And at the end of that, and was successful, my treatment, a friend of mine was directing one of these leadership camps and said, hey, why don't you come and be our banquet speaker and talk about your experience and how it applies to leadership? Yeah, I thought it'd be fun. I thought it'd be a one-off. That one presentation led to a few more invitations, and my phone's been ringing for almost 30 years. <laughs> so it took you know a few years, but eventually I was full-time motivational speaker on resilience, overcoming adversity, and leadership. And that kind of evolved over time. Um, but then I got to a point where I was starting to speak to some corporations and I was speaking to a lot of leaders about leadership and the audience had a lot more experience actually doing it than I had. And that always bothered me. <laughs> and so that's where I thought I need some more real world business experience so I can learn and have some credibility. And that's when I saw an airline uh, magazine ad 
for a franchise called Edible Arrangements. So uh -huh. long story short, but I got into it, did it for 10 years, and then I started changing my material. And then I started getting phone calls from franchises asking me to come and speak to their franchisees about what they can do to perform better. And so what I learned from my 10 years of doing it and from many years of working with other systems is what makes top franchisees better than everyone else. And it really is all those human elements. So even my book is really a personal growth book disguised as a business book because yeah. I think those personal growth, those human elements are really the, um, the, the, the differentiator among high performers and everyone else. So franchising, I just have some credibility because I've done it, but it's really a microcosm of everything else where lots of people are doing the same thing but some people are outperforming everyone else. All my work is about explaining why that is. Mm, yeah, I think that's so true because we all want to stand out. We don't want to be average in what we do. Uh, we we want to create a, a thriving business. Um, like so, for you, my my question would be like, when did you know for sure? Like, hey, this is a, this is exactly what I want to do for my life. I want to be on the stage, impacting businesses, impacting people, uh, so that they can create a, a thriving life. The first real motivational presentation I ever gave, it went really well. And there's that feeling you get on stage. It's, um, it's, it's a thrill. There's the nerves beforehand. There's the excitement when it's going well, the, yeah. the beautiful sound of laughter for jokes, the look in their eyes when you're saying something that you know is meaningful. So um, I love to tell you that it's just this burning passion of just helping people. That's a huge part of it. But admittedly, the performer in me also enjoys the experience of being on stage and being able to perform. And any speaker who tells you otherwise is lying. That's part of it. Yeah. There's plenty of ways of helping people where the spotlight isn't on you. Um, so for me, I enjoy the performance aspect of it. I went to film school so I could be a storyteller, but I found that motivational speaking was a way I could tell stories, but also help people. And those two things combined were exciting. So from the very beginning, once I had the opportunity to do it and went well, I've been chasing that feeling ever since. And more often than not, I get it. Some presentations go better than others. Yeah. Um, but it's, 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 it's a thrill. And I certainly hope I have a lot of years left of life. But if tonight or the last night I ever get to go to sleep, and I'll never wake up again. I will go to sleep without regret, feeling like I've done something meaningful. And so I just want to do that as long as I can. Wow. Yeah. I, you know, I think the, the audience that listens to this podcast, um, there, there's someone in that same boat where, I want to do what makes me come alive. I want to share my story. I want to impact people's lives. And I, I think just your testament to you doing that and showing up, it gives them hope and inspiration. You know, so I just want to just ask you, you know, if you could say anything to that individual who's listening, who, who might be listening, uh, what would you say to them to, to help them get started and to, to getting on that stage and feeling that feeling that you have? As you know, authenticity is really important as a speaker. Um, but it's not just authenticity with the audience. It's, it's being authentic with yourself, like really being clear about what your goals are and why you're, why you're doing it. Mm -hmm. I hear speakers who just talk about, I just want to go out and make a difference the way people made it, very altruistic. Mm -hmm. And I just don't buy it. If you want to do it make a living, it's because there's also something in it for you, whether it is a sense of fulfillment, whether it's filling your ego, whether it's needing approval from other people, whether it's wanting to make money. And I, I don't judge anybody for any of those motives. It's still yeah. ultimately going to help people. So that's fine. But at least be honest with yourself about why you're actually doing it. So you're not pretending otherwise. Mm. 
Mm. Um, but then I would say to someone who's starting out is just get in front of any audience you can. Don't even worry about charging money for it. Just get experience in front of a group. You can read 100 books on swimming, but it's not the same thing as jumping in the water and going for it. Yeah. And that is professional speaking. Um, so it, it, at some point, you just got to get it and do it. But then you also have to become an expert in your subject matter. And some of that comes from just a lot of personal experience. Yeah. So if you're a straight out motivational speaker, um, you know, go ahead and try to climb a mountain or run a marathon or just have some wild and crazy experiences that you can draw from. Set yourself to do things where you're probably going to fail so you can speak about what that's like. They get some real life experience that you can draw from, but also study other people, really get it, become a master in your subject. So you're not just repeating the same cliches. Like, Charles, I learned from my employees, they don't care that there is no I in team. Mm -hmm. That's a ridiculous cliche. That's like his comment on spelling. Yeah. So <laughs> I had ran a business and found out what is it they actually do care about. Like, yep. keep it real and yep. get away from the cliches. That only comes from studying and personal experience. Then the third thing I would say is learn the business of speaking because it's one thing to do it, but if you want to make money doing it, well, then you need to understand the customer base and the marketing and um, the financials behind it. And so that's that's important. So um, yeah. those would be sort of my immediate responses to people who are starting out. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that comment of doing something. Like, don't just talk about something that you believe in, but go out there and experience it. Go out there and, and test the waters. Because honestly, you know, people can get information from a book, right? They can get information from YouTube, but they want to hire you because of something that you have done in your life that allows them to connect with you and, and that authenticity, right? That that just bridges that gap and, and allows you to do business with people. I, I love that. You know, you, you talk you, about, say it again. I was just going to say, I, I really appreciate your comment. They, they want to connect. And honestly, I think people connect more with humans than with heroes. Yeah. So if I hear a speaker get up and he shares his Super Bowl ring or her Olympic gold medal or, or you know, some story of huge success, it's like, okay, it's nice. But when I hear someone get up and they talk about their failures yeah. and they're, they're vulnerable, and yet there they are on stage, that, that to me is much more inspiring because now I can connect with that. And so I always tell people, never be the hero of your own story. And yeah. if the story ends with you succeeding, still emphasize what you had to overcome and how it's difficult. Keep yourself rooted in the human experience. You don't need to succeed in order to be inspiring. It's just the fact that you tried and that you're authentic. I think that's what really makes a difference for people, much more so than just bragging about how great you were and how great your attitude was and how you right. never gave up. Like, you know, yeah, that's just not the true authentic human experience. So, so true, because, you know, the reason why people hire us is because they're experiencing some type of conflict. Their, their life is not peaches and cream. They don't have it all together and nobody does. So when we come in, we're coming from a place of humility. Not that I know how to do this, but I've been through some things that I want to share with you how you might be able to get through it yourself. Yeah, and also ultimately, I think the one thing that they want more than anything else, the audience, yeah, isn't the instruction on how to succeed, even though they'll say that's what they want. I think what people want the most is to know that they're okay. Yeah, yeah. That they're not alone. Yeah. That even if you don't give them the roadmap to success, but let them know you're on the path, you're okay. If you're struggling, it's okay. I struggle too. Yeah. So you're normal and you're not alone. Yeah. Even if they don't know a pathway to success, just knowing that they're okay. Um 
for most people is enough. They want that much more than anything else. That's why when we can share our vulnerability and our fears that we still have, I think that's much more powerful for creating connection rather than talking about how awesome we are. Mm. Yeah, that, that's so good, man. Uh, thanks for sharing that. You, I, I really feel like you have a cool niche, you know, franchise keynote speaker in, in the business in the business world. Um, where does most of your bookings come from, and what value are you providing uh, the the individuals who are who are at that at that event? So my bookings come from a variety of sources. Uh, they come from uh, uh, repeat business or spinoff. Someone will see me speak and they're a member of another organization. They spread the word. There's a number of speakers bureaus who I work with. Um, I'm fairly active on social media, especially LinkedIn. Um, the last couple of years, I've gotten a lot of business from my book. So most speakers who've written a book will say, I wish I wrote my book years earlier. Uh, and that is certainly is the case for me. Mm -hmm. It has helped to, you know, advice I got early on in my career was don't be a generalist. Don't speak of all things to all people. Yeah. Choose a niche, whether it's a very narrow topic or focus on a very narrow market. So for me, it was easy to focus on franchising because I had that experience and that credibility. And so I wrote a book specifically for that group, even though 90% of the content is relevant to all groups. By focusing on that niche, it makes it easier for me to be a bigger fish in that smaller pond. Mm -hmm. And so I've been able to make a good living doing it. But, you know, 30% of my presentations are every other industry. Yeah. Uh, so I certainly can do that. But I think focusing on a niche has helped. And, you know, franchising has been a good one. There was another part to your question, though. You'd asked me how I get uh, my bookings. But what was the other part? Uh, the other question, what value do, do you provide to people when you're there? I aspire to help people, number one, walk away knowing that they're normal and that they're okay. Mm -hmm. But I also hope to give people more awareness of what they bring to their own lives and their own business and to ask themselves, are you, am I being an asset to my business or a liability? Yeah. So I want them more aware of their own mindset, of the way they lead, and the way they serve, understanding that the human elements matter. So I give them tools on how to not be positive, but how to be clear mm -hmm. and objective, yeah. um, how to em embrace change. I give them tools to how to be more effective for recruiting, managing, and inspiring employees by elevating their lives and not just instructing them on how to work. And then I give them tools for elevating the customer experience because customers remember less what they get and more how they feel. Mm -hmm. So if we can elevate their emotions as we deliver our products and services, they're more likely to tell others and want to come back. Yeah. So the value I give is how to build your business by focusing on the human elements that are really the main differentiator. Mm. Clarity comes before confidence, right? And that's what it that's what you're providing for people. You're giving them the clarity to be confident and the adversity that they're facing in business uh, to just just continue to thrive. I, I love that part. Uh, you yeah. have a book that's called the, the Wealthy Franchisee, the game changing steps to becoming a thriving franchise superstar. Um, if you were to build a thriving speaking franchise designed to help individuals to become a paid speaker, what would be that number one strategy for longevity? Uh, always be selling. Understand that, uh, look, I love what I do. I, I don't know that I would choose something different, but it's a flawed business model in that we're constantly hunting down the next presentation. Yeah. Um, so what that means is that we always need to be letting people know the value that we can provide, always cultivating new relationships, and we always need to be selling because we can be having a really great year, but if we don't start planting seeds now, we're not going to be able to harvest anything next year. 
So I would love to be able to just give speeches and do nothing else. But most of my time is spent on the business side of it, marketing, building relationships, follow-up phone calls. It's not something I like or enjoy, but if I want to keep working, it's something that I've, I've just have got to do. Yeah. It's not what people think about when they fantasize about being a, a motivational speaker. But I spend a lot more time like on the phone, uh, on social media, and on airplanes than I do on stage. That's the reality of a life in professional speaking. <laughs> tell, tell me about the airplane, man. You know, I, I, I'm traveling and, you know, sometimes the if you're riding on spirit, no shade to spirit, but, you know, their, their, their seats are stiff. <laughs> how do how do you, how do you adjust after getting off the plane the jet lag you know you got a routine for that to just shake it off <laughs> well it might not be spirit you just might be very bony where you <laughs> so it could be, could be you yeah. Um, yeah look that's the life that's what you sign on for you know it's it's like a, a very common day at work i'm doing this next week i'll i'll have a five and a half hour flight to the east coast i'll give a one hour presentation and then, you know, six hour flight back to the West Coast. I mean, there'll be, you know, I'll stay at a hotel the night before. Yeah. But I spend a lot more time on those planes than I do on stage. That is the life of a professional speaker. And you just, you develop your habits, you endure it, you read, you watch movies, you, you know, try not to go crazy with all the difficult things that go on with air travel. But, right. you know, it loses, the, the excitement and novelty goes away very quick. Yeah. It's hard. <laughs> and you just have to adapt to it. Yeah, it's and and also honestly, you have to charge for that part too. That travel and being away from your family, you're considering all those things. It's like, so when you get those gigs or those requests to speak for a lower fee, you're like, no, nah, I don't know. That's five hours here and there, and you know, I got to do the travel. What's kind of like your thought process on that? It, you know, it's a choice, and yes, I've missed yeah. out on a lot of family functions or retreats with friends, friends' wedding. You know. Um, a number of things. Now, I make a point when I'm home to really be home. I feel like I'm proud that I think I've been a pretty active father in the lives of my kids. And mm -hmm. um, certainly with, you know, cell phones and FaceTime, it's easier to, you know, stay connected. Yeah. But I've missed out on a lot. Yeah. But um, but there's a, a, a positive side of that as well. But that's not for everyone. And whenever people contact me for mentoring or want to learn about professional speaking, I paint a very realistic picture of that piece because you we need to make sure that it's worth it for you to to do that. Yeah. Um, so for me, what I've missed out on is much more of a sacrifice than the hours on the plane. Yeah, um, it's the, it's it's the being away, and so you just you you make a choice. It's a sacrifice. The alternative is to go, you know, be home, but go into an office every day with a job that I hate, working for someone who I don't like. I mean, it, it could be that. Yeah. So when I'm home, though, I really try to be active and present. Yeah, that, that's definitely one of my intentions to to be in the room, right? To to be present. If I'm talking to you, I'm not looking at my, my text messages. You know, I'm not on my computer, but let's engage. Let's just be in this room today. So, uh, and that's a really hard thing for me because, you know, my, my DNA is to get the best, right? And, and there's nothing wrong with getting the best out of life, but uh, I always find that in pursuit of this best, it's always aspiring to get to the next big thing. So that has to be my intention to slow down and to, to be present, uh, to engage and to maybe find something that I didn't recognize in life. Uh, I really feel like that's important for me. Yeah. Uh, my, my last question for you uh, before we go, uh, if you could ask any speaker any question, who would that speaker be and what question would you ask them? Wow. 
The first answer that comes to mind is a political figure, and I try to uh, stay away from religion and politics and all things speaking. Uh, but this one political figure, um, just an unbelievable order, just excellent at, uh, at what they say and how they say it. And I would love to get a sense by talking to them of how much of it is like actually practicing speaking skills and how much of it is their connection to what they're saying. Yeah. Um, I'd love to have that conversation, not get into their, their specific politics, but how that influences themselves as a speaker. But again, I don't want to name them because I don't want to be uh, doing anything that might create distance between me and potential audiences. I understand for sure. Uh, that's a that's a great that's a great observation because when they're when they're traveling right they they have to know what they're talking about and sometimes you can see them kind of fumble over some things <laughs> because they just had a tough travel week but that is a very interesting question because it's always changing um and i you know one of the things i do know i, I know some writers who work with some political figures and so what part of that is, is scripted versus, you know, heart knowledge and just flowing? Uh, because I do believe that there's like a, a dichotomy between all, all of that and, and that creates this authenticity. Um, or maybe you look at like, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. when he wrote his, um, his I Have a Dream speech. Like what part of that? I know he wrote it the night before, but what part of that was just straight from the heart? <laughs> Uh, well, it, my, my understanding is he had some prepared remarks and then abandoned the remarks and then went back to the I Have a Dream material, which I guess he had done somewhere before. But the difference is that day he was feeling it. Uh, and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there was, there was the flow. Yeah. Right? So it was being present in the moment and knowing what his heart really wanted him to say. And then it just it, it came alive. I'm not even sure that he could recreate that the next day if he wanted yeah. to. It's like things had to align. It was a magical moment. Yeah, so true. That's that's so real right there. I, I, I want to go on and on, but look, before we go, where can the Thrive Tribe find you? My website is uh, www.scottgreenberg.com, B-E-R-G. And I'm showing my age by saying www at the beginning. <laughs> uh, but it's scottgreenberg.com, B-E-R-G. And you can also find me on all the major social media places. This was epic. Uh, I can't wait to go behind the scenes in a couple of seconds. Uh, thank you so much, Scott, for, for hopping on the Journey to Page Speaking Gigs podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right, Tribe. I hope you enjoyed the discussion with Scott. Here are a few major takeaways from the session. One, prioritize authenticity. This will help guide you and give you a clear purpose in the process. Two, know the business aspects of speaking, such as customer-based marketing, branding. This will help establish a name for yourself. Three, your niche. Don't be afraid to stand out from the rest of the crowd. So share your failures because that can help connect you with your audience in an authentic way. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more content like this, follow this podcast. And if you're a speaker or aspiring speaker and you want to know the ins and outs, or maybe you want to be a part of a community who is making an impact, making a difference, using your voice, even if it shakes, then follow this podcast. You can also follow me at the Charles Clark on all social media platforms. I'll see you guys on the next episode. Peace.